I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're in Judges chapter 18, but I want to give you a quick word of context. As a reminder, this is something that's covered in our curriculum this week. Uh, you can find that at redemptionwashington.com. Scroll under current series and see group member study guide. That's what every group uh, at the Redemption Church is covering this week. Or uh, if you're watching this not in real time with the Redemption Church, if you're a subscriber to JCM, it's available uh, at JCM or through G6 Allies, depending on how you access our content. Here is Judges 17.2. This is a young man named Micah, and he says to his mother, the 1,100 pieces of silver taken from you and that I heard you place a curse on, here's the silver, I took it. Then his mother said, my son, may you be blessed by the Lord. And then her very next step is to have like idols made from it. <laughs> so this this is one of those chapters where it's reiterated. I think it's verse six. At, at that time, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everybody in Israel just did what right uh, what seemed right to him. Okay, that seems like the 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 axiom, the motto for a relativist Mecca. Until what seems right to me is to take what you have, and that's what's going to happen here. So remember this. His mother placed a curse on this silver. He then, Micah, takes that silver. But as the events of chapter 18 indicate, the curse is going to come true. Here is Judges chapter 18. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and the Danai tribe was looking for territory to occupy. Up to that time, no territory had been captured by them among the tribes of Israel. So let's talk about this very briefly. Dan had been given an allocation of land in Joshua chapter 19, verses 40 through 48. We're going to study that in our next series. Uh, but they're looking for more. There's civil war here in Israel. Up to that time, no territory had been captured by them among the tribes of Israel. Israel. All right. So now the Israelites are warring with one another. They're stealing land from one another. They're trying to change the allocations of land that were first given to them. And uh, chronologically previously in the, the book of Joshua. So the Danites sent out five brave men from all their clans, from Zorah and Eshtel, to scout out the land and explore it. They told them, go and explore the land. <laughs> like, go you know, go spot what we're going to shoplift. <laughs> they came to the hill country of Ephraim as far as the home of Micah and spent the night there. Okay. Micah is the guy that we saw here. He was a young man in 17.2. Uh, that silver that he stole, first thing his mom does is has it, has it turned into like a an idol and an ephod, like we, like we saw in the story of Gideon, uh, that ephod or ephod, that, that was originally described in, in, in the Bible as this garment, this priestly garment that would include the uh, Urim and Thummim, whereby the will of God would be determined. But then we can see it also become used as an idol. The text isn't clear. I don't think that the idol that Gideon had made um, was, you know, out of the, the, the Ishmaelite earrings. I don't think that that was necessarily just like, here's a cloak, bow down to it. It's possibly an, an ephod on a statue of Gideon. Now, all of this stuff, all of this silver has been made into these idols. And Micah kind of just lives off the wealth of this. 
and he initially institutes one of his own sons to be his priest. However, it becomes, you know, it's, it's immediately clear to him that uh, his own son is not a legitimate priest because, you know, Micah is not from the tribe of the Levites. So later on, this, this other guy shows up and he's like, well, hang on a second, forget my kid. Why don't you be my priest? And he's utterly convinced that he's going to flourish because now he has his own Levitical priest in his house whom he's paying. He's like, surely God's going to be good to me. He's come to this conclusion all on his own, completely divorced from the actual word of God. This is like a tour de force story about what happens when you just teach falsely, abandon the word of God, make up your own teachings, and just hear what you want to hear and think what you want to think without any regard for the God who has spoken on his own behalf. While they were near Micah's home, they recognized the accent of the young Levite. Okay, this is the Levite that Micah has paid to be his own personal priest. So they went over to him and asked, Who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? What's keeping you here? He told them, This is what Micah has done for me. He has hired me, and I became his priest. Then they said to him, Please inquire of God for us to determine if we will have a successful journey. Now what should be here is the the Levite then consulted the Lord. <laughs> he also repented of his idolatry and his complicity in Micah's idolatry, and he inquired of the Lord, and then he spoke on God's behalf as a prophet. All of you should go back to the land that God has allocated you. You should return to uh, your your true worship of Yahweh. Instead, this is what this is what he tells them: Go in peace. The Lord's watching over the journey you're going on. Hey, that's great news, right? And what's funny is like they actually will find what they're looking for. It actually will be a successful journey. But remember, this was a scouting mission. This was a recon mission uh, in an act of, you know, ungodly civil war. And this Levite, who is way out of bounds, nowhere remotely near what he's supposed to be doing, living as a hired personal priest, to a man who is caught up in idolatry with uh, an idol and an ephod and other stuff that was made from cursed silver, never prescribed by God. He's just making stuff up. But it happens to be good news. Beware false teaching from the prosperity gospel. Okay, if some dude just says, you're going to prosper, watch out, because that's exactly what that's exactly what uh, this, this false teacher, this personal priest to the idolatrous Micah has said. The five men left and came to Laish. They saw that the people who were there were living securely in the same way as the Sidonians. Okay, that's Sidon, as in Tyre and Sidon. Uh, quiet and unsuspecting. That's rare in the era of the judges. There was nothing lacking in the land and no oppressive ruler. They were far from the Sidonians, having no alliance with anyone. When the men went back to their relatives at Zorah and Eshtael, their relatives asked them, What did you find out? They answered, Come on, let's attack them, for we have seen the land and it's very good. Why wait? Don't hesitate to go and invade and take possession of the land. They looked at the peaceful people of Laish. They're living like the Sidonians, but there's no ruler. Everybody's happy. It looks really good. Let's kill them. That's their takeaway. 
When you get there, you will come to an unsuspecting people in a spacious land, for God has handed it over to you. Look at this. The Hebrew here refers not to, it doesn't use the word, the, 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 the tetragrammaton, yod heh vav heh Yahweh. It just refer, it uses the generic term for God. They are speaking on God's behalf presumptuously, way out of turn. Once again, in the book of Judges, we see the, the name of the Lord used in vain, the clear violation. Uh, was it Exodus chapter 20, verse 6? They have, they have used the Lord's name, they've taken it, and they've stamped it on their murderous plan to invade a peaceful people. It is a place where nothing on earth is lacking. Okay, that's also an overpromise. 600 Danites departed from Zorah and Eshtael armed with weapons of war. They went up and camped at Kiriath-Jerim in Judah. This is why the place is still called the Camp of Dan today. It is west of Kiriath-Jerim. From there, they traveled to the hill country of Ephraim and arrived at Micah's house. The five men who had gone to scout out the land of Laish told their brothers, Did you know that there, uh, there are an ephod? household gods and a carved image and a silver idol in these uh, in these houses? Now think about what you should do. So they detoured there and went to the house of the young Levite at the home of Micah and greeted him. The 600 Danite men were standing by the entrance of the city gate armed with their weapons of war. Then the five men who had gone to scout out the land went in and took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the silver idol while the priest was standing by the entrance of the city gate with 600 men armed with weapons of war. When they entered Micah's house and took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the silver idol, the priest said to them, What are you doing? They told him, Be quiet. Keep your mouth shut. Come with us and be a father and a priest to us. Is it better for you to be a priest for the house of one person or for you to be a priest for a tribe and a family in Israel? So the priest was pleased and took the ephod, the household idols, the carved image, and went with the people. They prepared to leave, putting their dependents, livestock, and possessions in front of them, just in case Micah shows up. So Micah initially tells his son, who is not from the tribe of Levi, you're the priest. And then this other actual Levi shows up. He's like, hey, can you be my priest for hire? And so he pays this Levite, and this Levite just affirms all the idolatry that Micah has been committing his entire life. So go figure, if you have paid a priest to tell you what you want to hear, you've paid someone to just, you know, affirm your own idolatry, someone else can come along and pay him more. And that's exactly what happens uh, with, with Micah and his false Levite priest. So the, uh, the, these, these hundreds of Danites are, are getting away with everything that, that Micah holds dear. And so Micah is going to call upon his neighbors. He's going to muster them uh, using the same, the, the, the same term for, uh, for muster that we see elsewhere in Scripture about God gathering the troops. After, uh, after they were some distance from Micah's house, the men who were in the houses near it were mustered and caught up with the Danites. They called to the Danites who turned to face them and said to Micah, what's the matter with you that you mustered the men? Now, uh, like Micah's response is kind of a no-brainer. He said, you took the gods that I had made and the priest and went away. What do I have left? How can you say to me, what's the matter with you? The Danites said to him, don't raise your voice against us or angry men will attack you and you and your family will lose your lives. 
The Danites went on their way, and Micah turned to go back home because he saw that they were stronger than he was. So Micah has lost everything. And this curse that was way back at the beginning of the story in the previous chapter, it's partly covered by our curriculum this week, uh, that his mother put on the silver from which the idols and things were made, it comes to fruition. Micah was never right with the Lord in the first place, but he thought that he was. His mother immediately affirms this delusion. She has placed a curse on silver. She has, uh, she has paid it to someone else. Her son has stolen it back. And then her very first action is to make idols with it. And now her son is raised and affirmed in this idolatrous thinking. He actually has a false peace of mind at the end of chapter 17, thinking God's going to be with me because now I've actually... I've actually um, found a Levite for hire who's just going to tell me everything that I want to hear. And now that guy's been poached uh, by the Danites and his idols have been stolen. It's leaving him with only his life. There's nothing he can do. He's been outnumbered and Israel is now at civil war, all invading one another. So they were going to initially attack the town of Laish, but then you know, hey, they stop at Dan's house. He seems to really have it made. He's really rich. So let's just take everything we have. This Levite had even told these guys, hey, God's going to bless what you're doing here. Watch out. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only he who does the will of my father. False teachers are everywhere. And sometimes they go door to door. Just because they claim the name of God doesn't mean they're truly of God. If they teach you something that is contrary to the word of God, dismiss it. Watch out for it. If I say something that's in conflict with the Bible, ignore me. My endeavor is strictly to exposit the word of God. I'm not a perfect man, but I'll never do it intentionally. I'll never do it knowingly. This Levite knew better. He ought to have known better. You can see the fruits of a generation that is doing what is right in their own eyes and have completely lost touch with the word of God. The word of God is just nowhere. Like it, it, right here in this, in this portion of the word of God, the word of God itself is dismissed. It's the Bible telling the story of what happens when you forget the Bible. There are false teachers today. And just like this Levite for hire, who just he just really affirms the whims of whomever's paying him the most. That tradition is alive and well today. And that act of telling people what they want to hear, God's going to bless you, you're going to prosper, you're going to be okay, that packs out stadiums today. That stuff tops the New York Times bestseller list today. There's a church that does nothing but that, that bought the old Staples Center, and that's their worship center. That stuff sells. And it is a perfect fulfillment of what Paul prophesied in 2 Timothy chapter 4, that there's a day coming when people won't tolerate sound doctrine, but they'll find for themselves teachers who tell them what they want to hear. They have itchy ears. I've got this itch. I want you to, there's a certain thing I want you to say. Could you say it? Yep. That's the spot. That's right. I want you to affirm me in my sin, in my idolatry. I want you to revoke a passage of scripture. I've got an, I've got a bone to pick with this particular passage 
that calls out abortion. I've got a bone to pick with this particular this particular passage that calls out homosexuality. I've got a bone to pick with these numerous scriptures that tell me that the, the office of pastor is for men and that women are called to follow their husband's leads. Like, I'd much rather you just scratch this itch for me. That's it. Thanks. Here's a lot of money. That stuff sells. Heresy sells, man. But at JCM and the Redemption Church, we will never wittingly forsake the word of God. Okay? We will never do that. You can trust that everything that we produce is going to be biblically sound. Our confession of faith is the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. This is what we strive to do. If you're currently a part of a church that does nothing but scratch that itch in your ears, watch out. Watch out. It won't last. It won't work. If you're currently in the business of affirming people no matter what, you're never in the business of rebuke. There's not a single teaching that comes out of your mouth that confronts anyone or calls any sinner to repentance. It only tries to paint sin as though it's righteousness. You watch out. It's not going to work out for you. It didn't work out for Micah. Idolatry never works. It always fails. The word of the Lord stands forever. It's better by far to be true to God's word and rejected by men than to be accepted by men because you reject God's word. The word of the Lord stands forever. And while it may not be the safest place to abide, it is definitely the best place to be. Just ask Micah. <laughs>